Hi, and welcome to another episode of Dennis Podman, a infrequent, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> Chicago Bulls podcast. Um, uh, today, we are not going to be talking about the Chicago Bulls. Uh, instead, maybe we're going to do, well, maybe a little. But we'll be talking, we'll be doing the other thing that we do on this show, which is uh, talk about draft prospects. Um, I'm your host, Kevin Farrigan. I'm joined today by my usual co host, uh, Brian Schroeder. Hi, Brian. Hello. And our guest and friend of the show, uh, Ricky O'Donnell of SB Nation. Hi, Ricky. What up, guys? Um, so, like I was saying before we got on here, I do not know anything about most prospects most of the time. Um, I, I usually whip together my takes before the draft uh, about like a month before, and I mostly cribbing from the people who I trust and like what player types I like. <laughs> and that that's the ex- extent of my scouting. So mostly I'm just going to let uh, these guys uh, cook and uh, talk about what they think about the um, incoming class that is going to be the 2024 draft class um, or not incoming, but you know, the, the folks that are going to be likely uh, the players drafted in 2024, which is a draft class. The only thing I know about it is that a lot of people have been shitting on it basically nonstop <laughs> for like it, three years. Yeah. So, um, with, with that excitement, uh, feel the excitement, um, with that, uh, out of the way, uh, let, let's talk about those guys and which ones are actually well, worth being somewhat excited about. So the thing with this draft that makes it interesting is it's, it's going to be a methodology draft for everyone who does this stuff. It's going to be like, what do you value? It's going to be a draft that has, if you ask 10 people, they're, you're going to get like seven or eight different groups of guys at the top. Like it's not, there's not a Wembenyama. There's not even like a Chet or Cade or it's not, even before college. I mean, by the time that, by the time Duke played their first, their game in Canada within five minutes, I was like, okay, yeah, that's the guy. like, it's kind of obvious that guy may not exist this year. So it's going to be kind of like a 2013 or uh, a little bit like 2020, where it's just sort of like, I mean, I, I think there was a clear best prospect in 2020, but um, people didn't like him because his dad, his dad is a dickhead. So, you know, um, like 2020, this, this draft may have an NBL player as its best prospect. But um, I think the thing that really makes it weak, like specifically, A, I mean, it doesn't have like the elite star talent, like, I don't even know. We don't even know if 2023 is like a good, like a deep class, but it had elite star talent at the top. So it looks better. Um, but more, more granularly, there's just not wings. It's not a wing draft. Like who are the best small forwards? I'm going to go through it. There's like two guys at the top who are good. And then it's like, I don't know, Scotty Middleton. Like we don't, it's, I don't think Justin Edwards is like a star prospect. So it's just a bunch of okay guys. Whereas like 2023, you were pretty deep with like interesting six, seven, six, eight guys in the twenties. Um, this draft so far, the two positions that stand out are corked up white boy centers and six foot two point <laughs> guards, which are just not, it's not a market inefficiency there. There's not a lot of need for those guys in the NBA. <laughs> corked up white boy centers. That's there's great. a bunch of them. And there's like six of them. <laughs> uh, so who's the quirkiest of the corked up white boy centers? My guy hand locked in. <laughs> the Florida guy. Um, him or uh, 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 I mean, Klingon is Klingon is fucking corked up like crazy, but um, Ryan Kalkbrenner's in there, a day Mara, I'll count because he's corked up as fuck. Um, yeah, it's just not, a, it's not a draft that ha- it's very deep at positions that you should actually care about drafting. It's and I love little guards, I'm, I'm a the world's biggest Shreep Cooper head, I love Malachi Flynn, but 
those guys have not been good. So yeah, I'm not. You are taking I'm not taking those guys in the top twenty anymore. Yeah. If I'm not comfortable having the guy start, what's the point? Of, just go sign Monty Morris or Howell Neto. Like you don't need to spend a top twenty pick, top twenty five pick on a on a Jared McCain type who's a good basketball player. But anyways, yeah. I'll let Ricky talk about his. Uh, what I sort of like about this draft is like, yeah, you're starting with like the obvious top two of <laughs> Ron Holland, Matas Bazelis. Are they still the top two after two preseason games? I would say no, but we can talk more about that as we go. Into I didn't this. have them as a top two before that. Uh, I did. I feel like that was consensus sort of, yeah. at least from like sort of like the mainstream early look at the draft. Uh, but then very quickly, the mainstream early projection of this draft sort of blew up because Brian helped me on the pronunciation of this man's name, but uh, the 6'9 French wing Zachary Richeler. Yeah. Zachary Risa share. Risa yeah. share. I'm actually so, not into uh, him. <laughs> he he played in a FIBA youth competition sort of right after these early draft projections all mm-hmm. came out and was like not even one of the four best players on the French team. And this guy was projected as, you know, a consensus top 10 pick in most of the two early 2024 mock drafts you looked at. Yeah. So as soon as that happened, I started to think the nice thing about this draft is that there's going to be such a big opportunity for players to emerge and Mm -hmm. for these boards to like change wildly uh, throughout the year. So every year I do like, you know, the early board published the day after the draft. uh, And this was the least confident I've ever felt doing it. Part of that was because there wasn't a ton of star power at the top. But so I started to go through, you know, my first board from the last four or five years and just was seeing, like, how consistent is this, uh, you know, year over year? How much volatility is there normally in this? Honestly, my board last year looked really, really good. Uh, I did have, you know, some, like, I had Khalil Ware as the number five player, like, coming into his freshman year at Oregon. Uh, so that was a huge whiff on my part. But if you took just, like, the top 20 or 25 players on that early board, like, most of those guys were the top 20 or 25 picks yeah, in that yeah. draft. I do not think that is going to be the case this year. I think there's going to be a ton of volatility within this class. I think that this class is begging for someone to emerge. And, uh, you know, just I think we could probably start this talking about the two preseason games between the G League Ignite and the Perth Wildcats. And Alex Sar was someone who I was, you know, very intrigued by heading into this cycle. But just anyone who watched those two games, and I really only watched the first one. I was out of town for the last couple of days, had, didn't have a chance to watch the second one uh, before we recorded this podcast. But uh, he his talent just leaped off the floor in so many different ways. And I really think that this draft was like begging for someone like that to emerge. Someone with real star upside uh, who, you know, could sort of spice up the top two, top three of this draft. Well, I'll go ahead and spoil that. He's not my number one player. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't really see any reason not to have him because at OTE, he was, more of an idea player. The, the problem was that he's a super thin, he's seven footer, but he's like 210, 215. And he just kind of got pushed around at OT a little bit. And I don't know what happened. I don't know if he started eating better or if he just got on the right. He's taking his vitamins and saying his prayers, but he's kind of transformed all of a sudden into the <laughs> Chet Holmgren type where like, cause Chet is skinny, skinny, but Chet hits people. Chet, 
That's the thing. That's that was the big reason I never was that concerned about injury stuff with Chet. It's like Chet hits the shit out of people. Like he he will elbow you. And Alex Saar did something I've never seen another basketball player do in the second game, where Ron Holland was crossing the paint, kind of set trying to cut, and Alex Saar just put an elbow out, hit him in the ribs, and Ron Holland turned away and went the other way. It was like, oh, that hurt. Ron Holland does not feel pain or human emotion other than kill, destroy, devour. <laughs> and then he also like he turned his hips and and ran with Ron Holland down the court, blocked him like he blocked him like seven times in those two games. And Ron being Ron didn't stop attacking the rim because he's, he's again, he's the, in the best possible way, a basketball psychopath. He's just one of those guys who's like, that's his biggest attribute. He has infinite energy and plays as hard as anyone on earth. But, um, Saar just athletically is a level. He's at the, he's at the Evan Mobley, Chet, Jaron Jackson level of athleticism and fluidity for a big man. And I feel much more confident now than I did six weeks ago that he's like a center, like an actual pivot. And that makes him like the difference between a power forward center and a center power forward is huge to me. If, if you're that size and you're not like a shoot, I mean, he can shoot, but he's not like a stretch big. You're not running like, you know, you're not running Porzingis stuff for him. He's not that kind of player. No one's closing out on him when he shoots, at least until he starts to force them to do it. Yeah. Man, he was like, he was making some pretty beautiful above the break threes uh, off the catch in these two games. I, he might have hit one off the dribble too, but like, I thought his shot actually looked better than he I thought. He had a, uh, in the, the one of the preseason games NBL, uh, Perth played, uh, he had like a stutter dribble into a three, which is really nice. Which was which was yeah, he, encouraging to see. He made two or three from three in the first game, and one or two from three in the second game. Uh, I mean, the thing that jumps out about him immediately, like you said, you think he's on the same level athletically as like Mobley, Holmgren, those guys. I think he's like kind of a clear cut above those guys, just in terms of being a run and jump. Yeah, the speed is his crazy. speed is crazy. Like I don't, he's listed at seven one. I've never seen a seven-one guy move like that. I mean, he moves like an absolute madman, and it's like functional too. Uh, there were just a few plays defensively. There was one where like Holland tried to juke him, uh, trying to go like off, you know, going right, going left, going mm-hmm. right again, and he couldn't gain an inch on Sar, and yeah. he actually backed up and passed it. Like normally, Ron would just put his head down and try to get to the foul line, try to bowl him over. Uh, and he couldn't do that to Sar. Also, so, so like, just, you know, like the quick change of direction ground coverage from Sar. Super fucking impressive. Mm. Secondly, he is, like, I don't want to say he's, like, Bagley level, but he's damn close in terms of how quickly he gets off the ground. Yeah, yeah. He's just, like, hammering home those dunks off these little dump passes from the guards. Uh, so if you got a guy who's 7'1", 215 pounds maybe, thin for sure, Thin, uh, but I, he has, there's some shoulders there. There's a little bit to grow into. Totally. He's going to grow into his body for sure. And he was playing with a shit ton of force on both ends of the yeah. floor throughout that game. I would say that he has an insanely high ceiling defensively. Interesting that Brian thought that like after watching those games, he views him as a center. I was viewing him as a four. Uh and I agree that he would be like a lot more valuable if he could hang as a full-time five, because then, you know, his, he's going to need to shoot more if he yeah. ends up playing the four. Yeah. 
Uh, and even though the shot looked good, like I don't know if he if he can, if he can bulk up a little bit, be a full time five. I don't think that there's any center that can like move with the quickness that he moves no. with, uh, with that size. It's like totally crazy. Um, well, so the, the, I think the question to... with him as a four is that like, it's not that he has like a decent handle and he, like he has good touch. He's good. He's a good like hook guy and good, like, like runners and all that stuff, putbacks, but he's very tall. Like he's just tall. It's like his waist is high. He's yeah. very lanky. So he already that the only real the only real thing that Ignite was able to do to him with it they they actually like they would back off him and let him handle and then rush him because he totally. can't get low. So like as a four, I feel like you have to be able to, to like he can attack closeouts and stuff, but like I don't think he can actually create for himself just with the way his body is because his handle is solid. Like he brings the ball up and stuff, but there's a difference between bringing the ball up and initiating offense for yourself in the half court. Which I, you have to be able to do as a four a little bit. Like Jay Crowder can do that a little bit. Yeah, well, I agree. Like, He's a play finisher for yes, sure yes. over a creator. Um, and if you are a five he, as a play finisher, you're good. Like you don't you don't need to. I agree, but he's got some touch as a shooter. Mm-hmm. Like he mm-hmm. even made a couple like you know floater range shots in the first game that I thought were pretty impressive. Uh. Also, he's going to just be a monster attacking in like transition and semi transition. Like yeah. when he gets ahead of steam, yeah, people are going to be able to pick him, but he's also going to have like that thing Giannis has where his he can just cover so much ground with his stride length that yeah. like he's probably only going to need one dribble at the three point line to get to the rim. With you already uh, saw it in the in the first game where he. Lines. The stride length is really crazy because it, th- that's where the Mobley stuff comes for me. Because Mobley was a really unique and still is. College Mobley had like he could cover so much ground and he had such great body control. Like Sar, when he when he attack when he closes out on people, keeps his feet down, doesn't leave his feet, and like keeps he keeps things in front of him really really well, which is really the sign of a guy, like a, actually a smart basketball player. So like if if he's like reasonably intelligent at that size with that ability. He's just going to be like, like, yeah, like I think Ricky, you said like, that's like a defensive player of the year kind of guy. Like that's he, but he like Mobley. Cause one of my favorite things in the Mo in the Mobley year was watching pack 12 games and seeing the T's teams run their normal offense for the first four or five plays. And then very quickly realize like, Oh, we can't like if Mobley, we cannot, whatever side of the floor he's on, we cannot go there. <laughs> like a shut, like literally like a shutdown corner as like a center and like that's the thing that's what makes jaron jaron is that he's able to just cover distance like he does and still get back to their actually protect the rim and like you just can't run a lot of sets against that and sar i mean he had 12 blocks in two games in like like 43 minutes and they were like he's taking he's like out of past the free throw line takes one step and blocks a guy above the rim like that kind of that's just not that's alien shit and the guys he was blocking were Ron Holland and Matas Buzelis, who are elite, like pretty close to elite level prospects, and both like very good athletes. He's not blocking. He's not blocking Peyton Pritchard here. He's blocking like guys who will be above average NBA athletes. Alex Sar, for people who don't know, his older brother again Olivier Olivier pronunciation, but Olivier Sar yes uh, was a great player for Wake Forest, transferred to Kentucky a couple of years ago, and he was being hailed as like. Oh, this guy's the best transfer in college basketball. Yeah. Kentucky. If I was Olivier Saar, 
I would be so fucking pissed that my little brother got these freak <laughs> alien genes because that's what Alex R is. He's a freak. Well, that's I've never seen any like again another one in a move like that. Another Mobley comparison. Evan Mobley's older brother is just like some guy, <laughs> Isaiah. Yeah. He's 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 a fine basketball player. He probably can hang he's around the NBA. If he, yeah, the definition of a quadruple A guy to me. Isaiah but he's Mobley. he's like six eight two forty and runs like a six eight two forty guy. He well, usually does in the NBA for and his brother like, is like uh, this alien. Yeah. Well, it's like Giannis and his older brothers too. Like, yeah, <laughs> but Thanasis is still like a good athlete. He's a good athlete, but he's not like a Giannis level athlete. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be like if Giannis, if like Thanasis was built like PJ Tucker, you'd be like, that's not fair. <laughs> How'd that happen? So a couple things in terms of this like Mobley uh, chat comparisons, because I want to go into this. All right. Mm-hmm. So comparing Sar to those guys, I would say that Mobley's just passing ability just mm-hmm. immediately popped off the screen from an early age. I don't see that in Sar at all yet do you see some of those like no uh, no he had with his passing because i didn't see any of that he doesn't not make passes which is really all you again if he's a five you just need him to be able to like hey can you run a handoff like sure you know he doesn't have to be bam he he can be like i'm trying to think of like an average nba like vucevic is a pretty good passer actually he's above average but like he's not like nurkic where he doesn't you're like, oh, he's shooting now every every play. Like, so that's fine. I don't think it's a negative. It's just not a positive. And that that's true. Chet is also a passive. Jaron, I guess, is the guy who just doesn't like Jaron doesn't not he doesn't pass. beat you with his passing. Can but he's, can he's I ask a couple not of a black questions? Hole. Sure. Um, yeah. Well, you guys are you guys are slotting him in as a five, and I, I had two questions related to some of the stuff that you guys were talking about. So like his passing stuff. I like. I feel like a lot of the times with centers that that pass, it means it tends to correlate. Not always, but it correlates pretty well with like floor mapping on defense mm-hmm. often, which is like the case with Mobley, obviously. Um, and then, so like, does does that translate here, or like he's just an okay passer? So like, is his floor mapping like not at that level? I yeah, think I, it I, is. I got, I got, go ahead. Go ahead, Brian. Okay, I was going to say, I think it is. I think it's more just he doesn't have any interest in like being a hub right now because mm-hmm. he just his decision making has looked good. Like he makes quick decisions and commits to things. But I think he's also I think he's honestly it, he kind of plays like he's very aware of his handling of how he can't like he can get low on him really easy. So he just doesn't want to turn the ball over. So he's just going to run like they do. They ran a lot of stuff with him on the perimeter like. Um, he's a good screen setter, but he, he would, it, it's, he was very, very, you could tell he was very ready to be like, I'm going to roll. Like I'm going to hit, I'm hitting this pick and rolling. I don't want the ball, which I think is fine for a center. Yeah, Honestly, I mean, that's kind of how Bam was really yeah. early on. I mean, even, even Jokic gets off the ball like very quickly. Mm-hmm. Like he, like obviously Jokic is like the most genius passer ever and like that's part of why he gets off the ball but like he's a center you're not you're if you're the center you're not supposed to hold the ball all the time like he's moving it because he's like you know that's just he's a genius but it's also like the center shouldn't hold the ball i'll say this i'll say this i saw sar in the in the second half of the second game uh did a dribble handoff and the guy and somebody reversed went the other way and he turned and pointed where the ball was supposed to go and i'm always into that i always love when guys point Halliburton is the, the world's foremost pointer. <laughs> totally. Like that defensive communication stuff, I think is 
something that sometimes it's like tougher to notice that stuff when you're like not in the gym. Yeah. You can't um, hear it. You're just watching it on TV. But those little things really make a big impact in terms of like functional NBA defense. What I was going to say about SAR to your point about floor mapping, Kevin is SAR's defensive ceiling his defensive like sales pitch sort of is that he is like possibly an A plus NBA athlete for a seven one guy. And it's his ability to just recover more mm-hmm. so than like map the floor and like control the game with his mind defensively and like know exactly where to be uh, in terms of his rotations. Like it almost doesn't matter if he knows where to be or not, mm-hmm. because he is an alien at recovering. And he's someone who like with the length that he has, I don't have a wingspan measurement. on Seven, four, like seven, four. Yeah, seven, four, seven, yeah. four. So like, dude, he is so quick to attack the ball that he's going to be closing out on like, he's going to be blocking like three pointers. But I think, more than, more than seven, four wingspan, which is still good. He's also like, he, I don't know if he'll be at the, at the combine, but he's like a 36, 37 inch vert guy, at least like he's like a big at, vert guy. Like, at at yeah. seven one, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, speed is um, is probably more impressive than his leaping. Yeah, uh, so I would say like he is a guy who cleans up mistakes defensively. So I actually think that like going back to Chet and Mobley, I felt m- way more confident about those guys being able to anchor a defense. Is a fight. I feel less confident at this stage. And obviously we have a full season to go. So, you know, this is a very early read on him. But I feel like he's probably best, going to be best next, like in the Giannis role next to a Brooke Lopez type. Mm-hmm. Someone who could just, like, you just unleash his physicality. Uh, and he'll, he will be able to, I think, hang a little bit on the perimeter, even if he, you know, may not get in the best crouch. I think, like, just his speed, his closing speed, and the way he's able to attack the ball defensively all over the floor is going to allow him to hang on the perimeter. Uh, But I view him more as like the weak side chaos guy. Like, you Mm know, kind of like when Rob Williams was really in his bag uh, for the Celtics a couple years ago, uh, I I could sort of see him in that type of role where he's just sort of like the injection of athletic chaos. And he can like somewhat credibly space the floor, I think. And, you know, maybe two, three, four years from now, we're talking about him as like at least an average NBA three-point shooter on volume. That would be incredible for someone with his athletic tools at seven. There's nothing about the way he shoots that looks like he can't. Like, you know, it it looks fine. It's a little bit of lean. He has a little bit of lean back, but he's generating decent power from it, so it's not really that worrisome. Yeah. Um, The thing I'll say about him as a center that I think is giving me, well, A, the physicality, like I said, he's playing in it. The thing about the NBL that you'll always hear that is a is an adults league. Like those those dudes are all all the centers in the NBL are like six nine two fifty five, and like they're like thirty two years old. They're like I'm not you're not boxing me out. You're getting hit. And they he beat looks, the hell out of the young boys. <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah, it's like New Japan Dojo, but it's he seems like he can handle it so far, which is very. But the other thing with him, I always look at. Well, there's two things I look at for guys who are like full time centers, and it's not even so much bulk. It's how you can swivel your hips at the, at the point, at the screen, like how, what, like, can you contain at the, at the level of the screen? He 100% can. There's no doubt about that. Cause like I said, he keeps, he keeps his feet 
in. He doesn't splay his feet out and he doesn't jump at everything, which is, and then the other one, which he absolutely can also do. Can he uh, jump while backpedaling to contest shots? And yeah, yeah, obviously. <laughs> and so like those to me, cause those are the two things that like a Jalil Okafor was, those are the two things that Wiseman can't do, which is why Wiseman is a bad defensive player. He's not good at that. Wiseman does not have anywhere near the coordination that Alex no. has. Maybe he's, straight, maybe straight line speed. He can yeah. keep up because that's that's the thing. Wiseman, that's the thing he always looks great at when he runs down the floor. He looks incredible, and he, he's like very fast. Like he's a fat, he's a fast center for that guy's guy. But yeah, Sar is a, a up like echelons above. Like it's just an overall athlete. Like it's crazy. My, my and, second, uh, I would say like just as a big picture thing. Why is he just sort of first emerging now? Well, like Brian said, he's been on the map for a while, but he's French. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played in overtime elite last year, maybe the last two years. Two years, two I believe. Years? Yeah. And uh, now he's going to the MBL to play in the Next Stars program. With uh, with the most successful team in the history of the NBL, like the Lakers of the NBL, the Perth Wildcats. And he's getting like a real, like they have like real... Let's think of the NBL. It's not a huge league. Like they don't they don't get huge attendance. They get like fifteen twenty thousand at most. But it's been around for thirty five years. Like they have facilities. Like they have real. Like it's not. He's not playing in like a. He's not playing. Not the mellow ball playing in like the Lithuanian E League or whatever. <laughs> in in a draft starved for upside, this guy yeah. is bubbling with upside. Top two so. upside in the draft. I was I was gonna say the uh, the the second thing that I wanted to ask about him, uh, re him being a center, is it's a little bit in the news with uh, Team USA uh, <laughs> losing and getting crushed on the glass. Um, it, it, does he rebound? Yeah, <laughs> like it, does he rebound like a center? He reads like, pretty well. He reads the ball pretty well. He wants to rebound. What did he have? Ten in the first in thirty five minutes in the first game and. Or in the second game and seven in the first game in 29 minutes. So it's fine. Okay. I like, I like that. Cause that was like my, when you guys compare, were comparing him to, uh, to Jaren, like that's been Jaren's bugaboo. Like Jaren's his... just never want, never give a shit to, it's more, his rebounding is more like Chet's. Like Chet's is, is solid. Yeah. That makes sense. Chet's, cool. Chet's, a, Chet's a competitor on the boards. Those are those are I my think, two. Uh, is he really a center? Questions. Can he map the floor? And I, I'm not even rebound? saying that he's a full time <laughs> NBA center. I think it's, like, I think he can do it. Like, like Chet's going to do it some this year, which I think is is really, really that makes you a much more interesting player to me. Mobley can do it. He just they don't really want him to. For they have, a they have Jared Allen and B they don't want him to get killed. But it's more like Anthony Davis. Like Anthony Davis can do it. He just doesn't want to. Right. So sort of that's reasons. kind of what I think about Sar too. Is I do believe that like he'll definitely be a closing time center mm-hmm. in his peak. Even if he's spending time at the four, it's just like really hard to try to project what he's going to look like at like 25 years old because yeah. he is such a bundle of just like freakish athletic traits. And he's got some touch as a shooter. So, like, just that right there is pretty. He's good. also, um, and this is important in this draft especially, he is a April 2005 birthday, which means he'll be 19, a little over 19 at the time of the draft. He's 18 right now, which is, you know. Impressive. <laughs> Pretty damn impressive. I think that he's just an obvious breakout guy in yeah. this class. Like if you watch those 
games, uh, it's just like some of the shit he was doing was just unbelievable. So thank God we have like a cool, super toolsy, freakish prospect in this draft. And the guy he reminded me of uh, was Kai Jones. Because Kai Jones mm-hmm. would do some shit like that where you're like, holy shit, how is this guy sixth? Problem end? is, Kai Jones, the next play, would get back cut <laughs> four times. Exactly. <laughs> Kai Jones didn't know how to play. It seems like Sar actually knows how to play while having the Kai Jones freak athletic traits and while being bigger than Kai Jones. Yeah. So, you know, if you're 7 1 and you're doing Kai Jones stuff, that is truly an enticing upside gamble. In a draft without a lot of upside, I think that uh, yeah. I'm going to say he's a lock for the top five. If he doesn't go in the top five, I would be absolutely stuck. He'd have to get hurt. Like yeah. It'd have to be like yeah. a Nerlens Noel situation where he gets hurt. Or just like, you know, sometimes NBA GMs are idiots and... I, I feel up. like, I don't know, they, they put so much more stock into workouts now, and this is a guy... This is the exact kind of guy when he walks in the gym, they're going to be like, oh, all right. Like, yeah, look at him. But also NBA GMs let Luka Doncic go number three. So yeah. well, they, he walks into the gym and they're like, who's this fat piece of shit? <laughs> but uh, speaking of, uh, we, we, I don't want to spend 25 minutes on every guy. Uh, speaking of 18 year olds, we can talk about Ronald Holland, the second. Ron Holland was born on my 18th birthday, July 7th, 2005. Mm. Makes mm. me feel like, an old man. Uh, but Brian, how did you think that, like, you know, did Holland sort of, ex- did he exceed your sort of uh, your preseason scouting? Not really. He, um, no, I, the, his handle looks a little, it's, it's a little, little, it's a little bit more polished every few months, which I, I, I think I, I like. This makes him more and more of an actual, like a three and a like a actual forward and not like a big wing. Um, that's kind of what he was a couple years ago. He was just like a pick and roll, like garbage man guy. He's going to me to be, to me, this is a weird guy to use because this guy has failed. Uh, both of them have, have kind of failed. But the, I remember Gribanov and I talking, I think it was like in, in like Coles Wicker talking like four or five years ago about uh, how like a, a good way to kind of pick out potential scoring guys is garbage men. Like guys who are elite athletes and have like just a knack for scoring because you keep that. And if you develop like skill, then suddenly you're like a 25 game scorer. And the two guys we, Jimmy we use that, Butler. Yeah. The two guys <laughs> we use, the two guys we use the examples for that who haven't been out were Keon Johnson and Isaac Okoro, who just haven't developed skill. And in Keon's case, are like 6'2, 160, like tiny. Um, but yeah, Jimmy is, Jimmy is, a, it's so, I, I it's, it's it's not a fair comparison to put on him, but he's six foot eight, two hundred pounds with a six eleven wingspan. And Ron Holland plays basketball like he's going to get he's he's going to be executed if he doesn't like he's playing bad he plays basketball like he's playing for his freedom, like that old Dave Chappelle joke. Like he's insane. <laughs> I got texted when he was on the Bomani, team. Uh, it's the Bomani Jones thing where he talks about how the, the can't go back all stars. Yes. <laughs> like he 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 play, plays like a man who can't go back. <laughs> um Ron, I was text. Somebody texted me during the one of the U eighteen games last summer, where they were up thirty five points, and Ron Holland was like elbowing fifteen year old Chinese kids in the throat to get a loose ball, and it was like Ron's going to cause an international incident. Like they, he cannot play in garbage time because he is going to kill somebody, and that's what Ron is, and I love him for it. Um, the thing with him, 
the Jimmy thing is like a that's like a ninety nine percentile outcome that it becomes that kind of. I wasn't like, comparing him to Jimmy. I was just saying I, that I had before. Spe- yeah, that specific thing that you're talking about about like yeah. get a guy that like has some touch is a garbage man and has like a, a, a specific skill set that gets them on the floor. And then if they develop skills, like that's the Jimmy development story. Like he yeah. was always elite at um, cutting Trying. and getting, getting to the line and just being a motherfucker to play against. Yeah. And then he got on the floor with defense and then like, he just developed his skills because he is a maniac <laughs> and like that, that was how he, be- he became a star. Well, I, I have made that explicit comparison more than once because uh, uh, Ron Holland is a maniac. Like he's just a basketball psychopath in the way you want. Um, and yeah, like it, the the question with a guy like that is just like I I don't know if that makes him like a. It's not a guy who would be a number in contention for the number one pick in a lot of years, because I think his ceiling is like a second guy, like just a try hard, like a, a superstar try hard guy. He's a great defender for his size. Like he 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 moves really well. He plays really hard. There's very little doubt to me. I feel like the median outcome for him is like, or maybe maybe the 75 percentile outcome is like Warriors Andrew Wiggins, where it's like he does a lot of really good things for a team, but he's not a guy that makes decisions a lot. He's not like a guy that has a lot of like responsibility. It's just like you are a better athlete than most people on the floor. You play hard as shit. You can kind of shoot. Your defense is solid. Like, you just do stuff, but I don't know if he's a guy I'm drafting to like save my team. But if I'm like Portland, a team like that, or like the Spurs, even if I, there's not a guard that I like, I'm looking at that guy. That's a guy I, I'm pretty interested in. Yeah. Uh, so my Charlotte, question maybe. with Holland, when I was doing my, uh, I was doing my preseason mock, I was looking at Holland and Bazellus as my mm. top two guys, and my question with Holland was. Does he have any sort of scoring bag or is he mostly going to like, or is he going to like struggle a lot to score in the half court and mostly just be someone who's going to attack the basket and straight line drives, uh, not really be able to be a threat as a catch and shoot guy. And that's something that jumped out to me from watching the first game is I thought his scoring bag looked a lot better than I anticipated that it would look Uh, in the first game. He had a, snatchback three that I was like, I almost spit out my water when that happened. That was like probably the best non-Alex Sar play from these two exhibition games. And then he starts the second game uh, just in the clips I saw with like a really nice little step back, pull up mid range shot. That's a hard, that's a hard bucket to make. Uh, And even to just like be programmed to be like, okay, I'm like going to charge at this guy full speed and then hop into a, mid-range step back uh pretty impressive so if i think like for holland to truly be a number one guy he has to pressure the defense with his scoring in the half court and his playmaking i wasn't sure if he could do either of those things even though i do believe that like if you just look at him uh in terms of like sort of the essential uh, the essentials of him, like he's probably got the highest floor of anyone in this draft because he's super young. Like Brian said, he's a incredibly competitive player, a really good size athleticism combination, you know, probably seven foot wingspan, six, eight strong frame, really, really fast too. Mm-hmm. Holland so fast on the floor. Uh, but I just didn't know if he like had a scoring bag against the yeah. set defense in the half court. And I thought that that looked better than I thought it would. Uh, 
so I guess if you were going to say like number number one overall pick in 2024, I would say that Sar has the most upside and Holland is probably the safest projection to be a winning player on a good team. I would disagree. Well, a winning player. I would disagree that he's the highest four player because I feel like Collier is just a starting NBA point guard. He's just not anything more than that. Like, I've had Collier one for what are we talking about him too? Isaiah Collier going to USC. Um, he does a lot of things, but I think the the issue with Collier at one is I think his absolute peak is like Chauncey Billups or Terry Porter. I love those players. Chauncey Billups' number one pick is like, eh, it's fine. <laughs> Like you wouldn't be mad about that, but you wouldn't be you wouldn't be, you know, running. You wouldn't be sprinting to the podium. There's not going to be a lot of offers for the number one pick. I feel like in this draft. Um, but Collier, the thing about him that I love, a he's free. He, he he's kind of got this reputation reputation of like a, a not an athlete. I'm like I don't know, man. He's six three, one ninety five, built like a brick shit house, and like he's pretty fast. He's he has good change of direction. He's got good burst. Like he is just kind of a walking paint touch generator. And that's what I think point guards are for. That's what I think they do. The two things I think point guards are supposed to do. I said this about centers, get into the paint and make the, make the defense react. And then not just that you have to have, like you have to be able to manipulate what they do. And Collier is the highest marks I can give for that kind of player. Like he just knows what he's doing. He knows if I do this, the defense is going to do this. I'll do this. And just has that like four or five layers down, just has that understanding. And like, he's an okay shooter. He'd probably be fine on defense. I feel like number one pick, I might be, I'm kind of hesitant, unless it's like the Wizards who just don't have a guard. That'd be nice for them. But again, like if the, if the Spurs pick, let's say the Spurs pick fourth and Collier's on the board, that's the guy I'm taking because that guy's going to make things really easy for Wembenyama going forward. It's just like, this is a starting point guard in the NBA. It's May funny not be an the wizards, but the Wizards because I was gonna say he kind of reminds me of Tyus Jones a little bit. A little, he's a little bigger and faster, but yeah, yeah, he's he's definitely more powerfully built. Yeah, but uh, just his ability to like sort of think two actions ahead on offense and be able to like pass guys open, not just pass to the open yes. guy, is what makes him really tantalizing. Uh, but like a six two guard who can't shoot pull ups, I'm just like not super. I think he's closer to six three and a half. And he's pretty big. I think he's pretty tall. But yeah, and he has like a weird. The one thing with Collier that I've always thought was weird, he's like he doesn't have whatever the like he just misses a lot of free throws for no reason. He'll go in these stretches where he, he shoots like two for eight in a game. You're like, why is this happening? But I think that's there. mechanical stuff that can be fixed. Right. More than it is yeah, like, like the he mindset can't shoot. stuff with him is really, really good. And he's basically a savant, is a passer and a playmaker. Uh, but to be that size, and like, again, he's not like small, but like, you know, I remember when the Bulls drafted D Rose, we were considered, D Rose was considered a big guard. And now D Rose would be considered like an average. They're the exact same size. Ish guard, I think. Yeah. Uh, so let's play this game, Brian. Give me a prediction. We're just going to go per game just because it's easiest. 
Give me how many three-point attempts per game Isaiah Callier will take at USC as a freshman and what his three-point percentage will be. I think, I think this is going to be skewed because he's going to be playing with Boogie Ellis, who will take 15 three-pointers a game. But I'll say five to six, and he'll shoot 34 to 36%. Maybe 33%. That would be super encouraging, I think. If I he think does he can that, shoot. He's, he's going to go in the top five. Yeah, I think I'm he can not shoot. totally sold that he can shoot. I might be wrong, obviously, but I would guess that he will attempt 3.1 or 2.9 <laughs> threes per game and make like 32%. I still, think that's fine. I, I still think that's fine, though. I don't really think... I don't yeah. know. The thing with him is that he's whatever level he plays at, he's going to get into the paint. Like It's not a jaw thing where he's that little athlete. It's more like... I mean, Billups is that's why the Terry Porter thing really sticks out to me. Like Terry Porter initiated Terry Porter got into the paint. I know people don't, I've watched a lot of those Blazers teams. Terry Porter was just like, he, um, this is a weird thing to play. The G league ignite announcers were kind of shitting on London Johnson for doing too much dancing, too many dribble moves. Like if you're not Kyrie, don't do that. Um, the, my favorite point guard. That's why I was a Devon Dotson guy. It's just like paint. Like every time he has the ball, I'm in the paint, and like the defense has yeah. to react to that. If that was your big case for Sharif too, wasn't it? Like he was. Yeah, and, and always, I guess who still does the paint. And... Guess who led he the G League in G paint? League. Yeah, guess who led the G League yeah. in drives per uh, drives per game the last two years? You get one guess. Um, yeah, and the problem is that Sharif is like five foot and ten, five foot nine and a half, and also is significantly worse shooter than Isaiah Collier, honestly, and also yeah, is a psychopath. Um, what? Uh, is Callier? I also want to say Callier is a below the rim athlete. Do you disagree a little bit. With that, Brian? Well, he's not a he's he's not a scoot level athlete, and scoot's not even like no. the maximum. But yeah. I don't know. He's really big and strong. Like guards, are, if if he's able to get guard the guard on him, he's scoring. He's 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 finishing at the rim. Kyle Lowry might be a comparison, like physically. Ooh, I like little, that one. He's a, he's a little one. taller. But Kyle Lowry never had problems getting into the paint, and Kyle Lowry finishes like it's a big dude. Lowry also really improved his pull up, and once yeah. he improved his pull up, that's when his career trajectory took off. Like yeah. it took does he time to do it, but does he have a big ass like Kyle Lowry? Yeah, <laughs> not, not Kyle Lowry ass. size, not Kyle Lowry size, but yeah, he's 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 thick, he's juicy. Kyle he's got a, he's big. He's just a he's, big dude. I'm asking, I'm asking the important questions here. The thing that separates him, like I said, those all these six. There's a lot of really accomplished, high, like really popular, really skilled guard, like Elliot Cadeau, Jared McCain, Rob Dillingham, Jeremy Fierce. These are all very good uh, high school players, and they will be good college guards. But they're all six one, six two, one eighty five, one seventy five. Well, Dillingham's like one sixty. He's tiny, and Collier's like two hundred pounds. Like he, he, and playing those guys physically, he beat the shit out of them. Every time I saw him play any of those guys, he just was much bigger and stronger than they were. And that is important in the NBA. So, Brian, how would you compare and contrast Collier with DJ Wagner, who's probably the other high-level guard, easy shot at being a top-five pick in this draft? If you were like someone who's never seen those two guys play before, hmm. and you were saying, all right, so they're both like basically six three collier is a little more powerfully built he's like a thicker guard than wagner dj weighs uh, like 168 pounds yeah yeah um well the thing is they both have the same that same strength as dj wagner is another guy who just gen- he gets into the paint 
Like he's yeah, which is weird because he's not. I wouldn't say he's like an elite speed guy. He's not big. He's not in like an above the rim athlete. He just is so. He's very quick. His speed with ball, using a two K term, is the same as his speed. Like he doesn't doesn't lose anything dribbling. Doesn't lose Love anything it. transferring. Um, I'm less. I think DJ could be like. If you were to ask me which one would I bet on being an all-star, I would bet DJ. But if you were to ask me which one I would bet on being a bust, I would also say DJ. He He's not an elite shooter, and he just disappears sometimes. Like, he's done it. DJ was the number one guy in this class four years ago, easy, because he was a dominant scorer. And there's a little bit of the RJ Barrett-Wiggins thing where, like, you're the best 16, or the Imani Bates thing. You're the best 16-year-old on earth, and you don't get any better for three years. That's a little concerning. But DJ's a guard, and DJ's more of a, a skill handled guy, so I'm not as worried. Uh, DJ is a is a guy is a very volatile player for me because I think he has the ability. Like he, you'll see DJ games where he puts 45 on people, like in his sleep, and like he's a smart, he's a re- reasonably smart passer. Like I don't think he's not a point guard. I think at worst he's like a combo, which is fine in the NBA. Like you don't have to be full time point guard anymore. But DJ's, a, I, don't, I don't think he's a significantly better shooter. He will be a worse defender than Collier. There's no doubt about that. Like, I don't think he's even bad. He's just, again, he weighs like 170 pounds. NBA teams are going to find him and they're going to bully him. That's just going to happen. You'll see You'll see NBA teams post up on, on DJ Wagner with like a Kyle Lowry type. It will happen. Or Jamal Murray type. Killer. Or like the way these FIBA teams are trying to post up Austin Reeves, yeah, in the tournament where it's just like he's got a target on his chest. Anytime they could try to get like a difference is Austin Reeves is six four, two hundred. Like Austin Reeves yeah. could could be it's quarterback sized. DJ Wagner <laughs> is 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 wide receiver sized, at best. So Wagner to me, first of all, I have no read on how good of a shooter he is. Yeah, it's you, it's weird. It's weird. Like, it, I think he's going to need to be a really good shooter to, like, sort of live up to the preseason hype. Mm. Uh, but I do think he has a pretty solid projection just as, like, a microwave scoring type. Mm. I think, like, he'll be able to do that, like, whether or not, you know, you want an electric, undersized sixth-man scorer who's going to get targeted on defense with a top-ten pick in this draft is sort of, like, another question. But I can see that being, you know, his path to having like a long NBA career is just like he can be a guy who can burn you off the dribble. We should also seems to have a really good floater game, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, confident rim attacker. Uh, But like DJ Wagner, the thing I always thought about him when he was like the top recruit in his class, his tools just aren't that good. Yeah. So he's got got a six, nine wingspan. I'll say that for him. 6'8", six, 6'9", six, oh, wingspan. Uh, Got long I arms. I actually didn't realize he was that long. So I would say I would... I think I would take DJ Wagner over Collier. Maybe. Like, I'm, I'm tempted. But uh, Collier... I, like, I think Wagner it depends is, on the team. Yeah. Because they're, they're sort of different type of guards. Where, like, Collier's definitely a pass-first guard. And I think DJ is a score-first guard. Um... And yeah, like I, to me, I feel like, like NBA teams lean, coming in. Would, I feel like NBA teams tend to lean towards the scoring first guards. Um, like I said, like I, same, I, I like think it depends on the team. It depends That's on the team. True. Like if the Wizards are picking, they probably take Wagner because they just don't have juice. But if like the Spurs are picking, you might want Collier. You're not. 
Jordan Poole just uh, just threw something that you said that they don't have juice. <laughs> they have. He might average the, thirty a game this year. He might. Um, He's definitely going to average thirty shots a game. The thing I think I should, because people may not know, uh, DJ Wagner will also be the first third generation NBA player in history. Because oh, he's yeah. he's Dewan Wagner Jr. He's Dewan Wagner's son, Milt Wagner's grandson. So that's interesting. It's an interesting factoid. Um, <laughs> Who knows if it means anything? <laughs> Who can say? I think like we talked about these uh, ignite Perth games on Holland and on Sar. Yeah, I had Bazellus number one on my preseason board. I already don't feel good about that, uh, and I'll go into it a little bit from my perspective mm-hmm. but like brian what did you think of bezelis just in the first look of him he just it's he i don't really believe in the self-creation right now um the positive is i think there is a precedent for a guy with basically his exact same frame and skill set uh developing that and it's franz wagner franz wagner Michigan freshman year, Franz Wagner was like a deer. Like he had no body control. He could not dribble, but he was legitimately like an impactful defender. And he's huge for like a two, three, four guy. He's gigantic. And Modest is six, nine, six, ten, And it's like a good athlete and a good finisher and has like, is an intelligent basketball player. He just doesn't really know how to like a lot of side to side dribbling and a lot of like, he's obviously setting up for like a two dribble right hand step back. And like it works, they can get the shot off. He's got a high release point, but that's not, I'm not running my offense through that shit. Uh, not even in the G League. But I'm pretty confident in Modest being a, a, help, a useful NBA player. Like uh, to bring this into a Bulls thing, I was going to say my, uh, my criteria for this draft would be uh, would I want the Bulls to have them? For like Sar, I would commit a murder. Ron, I would love it. <laughs> Collier. Uh, if co- put Collier on this Bulls team, they're probably better because like oh, yeah. they don't have a guy who does the, the things he does. And then like DJ, I'm, I'm good. Like I'm not worried too much. Like uh, what, what if we had a second Kobe White? I'm fine. Uh, <laughs> and then, like uh, uh, Matas, I'd be I'd be intrigued by that. Like uh, they don't have that guy. Really. They have that they have Patrick. And that the problem, the problem the last two seasons is that, and maybe Torrey Craig can do some of that stuff. But the problem the last two seasons for the Bulls is that they have one Patrick. They don't have anyone else who does any of the things he does at a reasonable NBA level, which is why it's been so strange because Kevin's a famous Patrick hater, but also like they've been better with him on the floor every year because they have one guy who does those things and he's not on the floor. They just suck. Like athletically, they have nothing if he's not on the floor. I am not a Patrick hater. I've just been disappointed with him. Skeptic. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 it's more frustration because I see like, like everybody else, I'm not, I'm not blind. I'm not an idiot. I see the talent. I see like the, the frame and like, you know, but he like, does have a nice dribble when he tries to dribble. Like, that Buck series but, was a good illustration of it though. Cause like he had to be on the floor at all times or else Giannis was just going to obliterate destroy. Alex Caruso. <laughs> yeah. Let's kill everybody. And like Giannis does that anyway, but like, yeah. yeah, the Bulls have one of those guys who can like, you can, even Patrick's an overrated defender. He's not Kawhi Leonard, but like, no, you need more than one guy that you can, you could put on a, a, a wing, a Jason Tatum and be like, yeah, he's not going to get killed. Like he'll do something. And like the bulls don't have, they had Lonzo. Lonzo could kind of do that. Yeah. Lonzo but, was very good at playing up. God, but, that, the Lonzo injuries remains an enormous. Bummer. It's, <laughs> it's 
it's, it's the incredibly worst. depressing. But like two straight seasons, the Bulls did not have a second guy who could do that stuff. So Modest, I, I feel like Modest, he uh he defended Sar pretty well. Sar got him with like a triple pump fake sequence that was crazy looking. It's just like that's not supposed to happen. Um, a triple pump fake is that's aggressive. <laughs> like 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 uh, well okay p- a pivot. Sar attacked a closeout, got the corner on Buzelis. Buzelis held him. Sar stopped, pivoted back, pivoted back, pivoted back, and shot a jumper and got fouled. And Buzelis was just kind of like, "What happened? What just happened?" <laughs> like that sounds like what my uh, one of my buddies always does to me when because I try to block everything when we play one on one, and he just gets me with like a, a million pivots until he has a layup, and I'm just like, ah, that's right. I just I definitely compared my one on one games. With what my was friend. what was crazy about it was that you you expect that in the paint. This was a seven one guy getting his dribble, picking up his dribble from like eighteen feet and doing like a triple threat pivot and shooting a jumper. <laughs> that's what Vizela was just like, what. Huh? <laughs> that's not supposed to happen but which Buzelis, is why Sar is your number one prospect now <laughs> but Buzelis I mean I think there's some like Jade McDaniels in there and like honestly I kind of feel like there's some Robert Covington in there like I, I feel pretty wow, confident these are really interesting comparisons I feel really I was thinking about a lot after that second game because I didn't want to just do the Franz one although I think Franz is physically like just who he looks like the most even like in the face a little bit but like um <laughs> I feel pretty He's confident. European. We get it. <laughs> I feel pretty confident. Buzelis is like a good, like defensively. He's just really good. He's really, he's a good athlete. He's got just good feet. He just knows what he's doing at a really high level, which is really interesting that he and Ron are the two number one high school guys. And they're both like kind of defense first. They were both kind of defense first players in college, in high school. It says a lot about the class, honestly. I was going to say, do you think that's part of why people were so down on the class is because like the, the two most talented guys were led with their defense. And it's just like, like, like Ricky said, there's just not like a guy like every, almost every year since really since like 2013, there's been like a guy Wiggins in 2014, I guess 2015 didn't really have that guy in high school, the 2014 class, like Carl Towns kind of, but then like, you know, you get like Simmons or Ingram, you got like Fultz and Tatum and those guys. You got uh, even like Trey Young, but like Zion, RJ Barrett, Reddish. You had the guys who were looked at as like, yeah, that's a that's a star, even if they haven't mm-hmm. all panned out. And that guy does not really exist in this high school class where you're like, it's all 6'2 guys. And those guys aren't stars yeah. in the NBA anymore. Which they just aren't. Unless they're like transcendent superstar players. And those guys are not transcendent superstar players. So I put Bezelis number one in my mock over Holland. There's nothing wrong with it. Because I thought I was questioning Holland's if he had any bag scoring yeah. wise. And I thought that Bezelis's skill level would be much higher. His athleticism would be much worse. But that the sort of the tiebreaker to me was the creativity. Bezelis plays with Bezelis will be running full speed and hit you with a behind the back dribble. Yeah. Was same handed finish. And you're like, what the fuck? This guy's like six foot nine. How is he doing that? And he is not European. He is from the rich kid suburb of Hinsdale, <laughs> Illinois. Uh, if you're like really rich and you grow up in the Chicagoland area, you are from the North suburbs, but for the South suburbs, the West suburbs, Hinsdale is like, you can't buy a house for under like several million dollars. And well, both his um, are Lithuanian. They were yeah. both basketball players. Yeah. So he's a first generation American. Well, I was watching the World Cup. Uh, I was thinking like, is 
is Ellis going to be on Lithuania, and is he going to be really good for like these Lithuanian teams? Uh, he probably will future? be because he, he may not be good enough to make the. Do team exactly, USA. it'll be like Apollo thing. It's like if he ends up being the third pick in the draft, it'll be like, okay, is he going to be good enough to play for Team USA? Uh, the way Paolo was when you know he looked like maybe he was going to play for Italy. Well, then if you're good enough to play for Team USA, you switch your allegiances. But yeah, uh, so Bezelis. Also, let's be honest here. Uh, Lithuania has a much richer and more like robust basketball than infrastructure than Italy does. Yeah, no doubt. Um, for Bezelis to be the first pick, and I already feel like after watching these games, he's not going to be the first pick because now I think that Holland's scoring bag is just like a little bit more advanced than I thought it was. And Sar's just like a total freak. His upside is just like yeah. through the roof. Bezelis is going to have to be, he's going to have to win with skill. And it's mostly as a shooter. In really yeah, he's going like, to have to be an elite shooter. And we'll, that's what I'm really interested to see on him. He was shooting the ball pretty well for Sunrise Christian last year. Uh, it was another reason I put him uh, number one was because I was actually able to watch some of his games in the Geico uh, high school thing. Like, you know, he's got a full game. He, they beat Montverde and Cooper Flagg in like the quarterfinals. Or the, I think it was the quarterfinals last year. And that full game is like out there. You can watch it. Mm-hmm. And he was really good in that game. I mean, he had a four-point play, I think, late in crunch time to uh, help give him that win. And I just thought, like, this guy's skill level seems pretty damn high. He's probably going to measure 6'9 in shoes. And he plays with some creative flair that I kind of think is, like, the ignition that can, like, really raise your ceiling when you're kind of doing things that people don't expect. I think it, I think it could still happen, to be to be fair. Like, Brazilis yeah. is very good. He's the thing, but the thing for me that's been really intriguing about him for the last few years is that like he's that kind of like goofy white guy scoring wing who's also like a like he's very well rounded. Like he's just a good basketball player overall. And I, I yeah, I was shocked to hear you describe him as a defense first prospect. I, I don't know defense first, but I don't know. I, it's just been good. It's a good defender. He, so that jumped out from watching the first game is yeah. defensively. He's not going to really have a huge target on him. He's going to need to add strength. He's like painfully skinny right now. There's like always like yeah. of these guys in every draft. And he's that guy right now where he just like needs bulk. He needs three years in a weight room. Until yeah, like the Sar thing, like Sar looks skinny. Sar's probably 215, 220, 71. That's a bit, 6'9, 6'10, 180, and 7'1, 215. That's a gigantic. Like, totally that's 30 pounds and only a couple inches. Like that's a big difference physically. So I think like the optimal team setup for Bezelis would be if he can be a dude who can be like sort of a secondary creator Mm -hmm. and a really good catch and shoot guy who can also like add some value as a transition playmaker and then like hold his own defensively. I think you need a rim pressure guy next to him because I don't think Bezelis is going to be a guy who's like getting a lot of easy points at the foul line. I don't think he projects as a guy, even in his like top outcome, who you're running your offense through. No. But to have him as like a secondary guy, maybe something, not like this is a player comparison at all. I'm not trying to compare him, but like, you know, sort of like in a similar role to Brandon Ingram, where you could have maybe like a better more dynamic driver next to him and he can just kind of be like oh i can score 20 a game i could play a little bit on and off the ball and i'm not going to be a sieve defensively uh if he shoots 
38% from three on good volume. And he took six threes his second game. He only took yeah. one the first game, which I thought was a little concerning. And again, I haven't seen the second game yet. A lot uh, of his ones in the second game were open. Like they would, they just kind of let him shoot and he made him pay for it, which that's what you have to do if you're a shooter. So, so yeah, I like Bazellus. I think that him and Holland are both probably number twos mm-hmm. on really good teams. Uh, but yeah, like if you have those two guys and you have Sar, I don't know, man. I know that we we just watch these these guys play, but I'm kind of like I'm interested to see who in this draft can sort of measure up with Bazellus, Highland, and Sar. Now, Brian, you already went into Collier, so who else do you think <laughs> we could be talking about is a potential top three pick or a top five pick? No, top three. Uh, Fuck it. In that mix, yeah. It's time to go pervert mode and talk about my son, Garwe Duall. Um, I'm absolutely infatuated with this guy. He's not a shoe circuit guy. Like He kind of was a late bloomer. He's going to Providence. He is, and t- stop me if this sounds like a players I've liked before, six foot five, 185 pounds with a seven-foot wingspan. And he is a point guard. That's the thing about Garwe. He is a, like, he is a, uh, athletically, he's crazy. He's built like Karis LeVert. And he moves and jumps like Jaden Ivey. Like, it's a bizarre athletic, like, long stride guards who are, like, slithery. He's super slithery. Are not supposed to be able to be, like, jump from inside the foul line dunk guys also. It's a very strange combination of athletic traits. The question I have is if Providence lets him have the ball, I think he will be, like, a top 10 pick. If not, he might be a guy who goes in, like, the 20s. Because defensively, he's... And I guard defense isn't that important, but defensively he's a monster, like a freak. I think he um, had like a six steal rate. Last, like it's crazy, like pass interceptor, huge hands. It's it's really weird to really be super concrete about him now because he is the other guy that has like the elite NBA player athletic profile that Sar does and like the tools. Like he the has way like he described him sounds like Shea, man. Like, yeah, like he's he's big and he's tall and he's long and he's Shea's not explosive. Shea's not that explosive though. And okay, so you're saying he's like Shea, but he's explosive. Well, he's like Shea, but he's explosive. But but Shea also, <laughs> let's be honest, the body control stuff from Shea is still yeah. at another. It's another actual. It's, it's, he's like maybe top like I don't know two or three. But in the I will say, I will say, I was getting some clips of, Gar- of Garwe. And I almost use a line I have not used since I was going on my insane uh, 35 gif in a row, put Shea, 2 a.m. Shay things where I was like, why does nobody see this guy? Like, why do you not see who this guy is? And that is that there's a few plays where they force Gary left and he does like two or three in and out dribbles with his left pivots. It does like a Euro step and does like a scoop finish with his left. And I wanted the post those and say, this man is not left-handed. Like this, <laughs> you're not supposed to be able to do this with your offhand. I don't think he has that level. I don't think, I think he overruns a lot. He doesn't have like the timing Shea has as like a finisher. Even the first time I saw Shea, I was like, who the fuck? Um, Garwe is more of like a line, straight line drive guy. But I feel like if he's allowed to be a full-time point guard, like he had Hoop Summit. Everyone I talked to at Hoop Summit, he killed everybody. He was the best player at Hoop Summit at the practices, which are more important than the games at Hoop Summit. Sorry to say. He slaughtered all those guards I was talking about. He killed them. Nobody could get at the edge on him. Like I said, huge hands, huge, long, just crazy length, crazy athleticism. If, if 
I kind of wish he went to a school that had like a better development. Providence is a fine school, but that's not like a prospect hotbed. And they have a lot of old guys and they have a new coach. So I'm just interested to see what they do. But I feel like he's just going to be such a, the athleticism is going to be so obvious that they're just going to have to give him the ball and let him do stuff. He's, he's not on the men Thompson's level for me, but he's already on that. Like, this is one of my favorite pro. This is, this is the guy I make on 2k is Garwe. like shooting. Who cares? It's getting into the paint, making reads, passing, dunking, blocking shots. He's a, he's a guy who's going to have a lot of like 14, seven, six, four, three games. And those are my, those are my guys. Those are my stock rate, assist percentage, foul, foul rate guys. Those are my guards. The Karolinko type stat lines. <laughs> yeah, those are the, those but are my boys. Guards. I don't know if you've seen Garvey Duall at all, Ricky. He's not like he was not a. He's kind of a late riser. He just kind of came out of nowhere in the last like six months. So I read the piece on him mm-hmm. at Swish Theory. That was a great piece by. Uh, I want to give this writer a shout out because I had never heard of him before. And then immediately I'm like, okay, you're on my radar. After he wrote this piece, his name is Ahmed Jama. A mm-hmm. great piece at the Swish Theory, which uh, is a really good uh, sort of recent startup thinking man's hoops website. Some X's and O's stuff, some scouting stuff. Uh, that was a really good read. Um, I don't know a ton about him yet. But I think that, like, what this draft doesn't have is big creators. Yes. And he probably has a chance to be that guy because just from the clips in the story Ahmed wrote, his first step just seems, like, seriously wicked. Like, he's yeah. able to break that first line of defense. Um, I don't know if I saw enough to say he's on Ivy's level as, like, a leaper. Because Ivy was so good at just, like, rising above the basket and finding ways to finish. But it does seem like he has the Ivy, like, oh, I can crack the first line without needing a pick. Like, I can just, like, beat you one-on-one. And uh, he seems like he's got, like, some counters to him, too. Mm -hmm. So I don't know enough about him, really. And I really don't even know. I Like, I'll do my college basketball deep dive as the season gets closer and, like, get familiar with the rosters. I don't even really know what Providence has coming in this year. Uh, Uh, Bryce Hopkins is back. Devin Carter is back. My hope is that they have have, um, – Kim Kim English is our coach now. My hope is that he just – Younger just than see, me. You just see like this guy like stands out. Yeah, the thing is they don't have a lot of guards. They have a lot of six two guys, and they have like Devin Carter, who's like a potential two way candidate. So I, I think I think you have there's some guys who just I don't know. This like you said, this draft kind of lacks the instant yet you have to explain a lot of these guys with like qualifiers. And Garway's like one of the only guys in this draft who I watched him for five minutes and I was just like, okay, like I, I, I get it. I see it. And that guy so, does not exist in this draft. And that's, that's kind of where I'm at with him. Uh, do you want to like give the listeners a little introduction to castle on UConn? Because I feel yeah. like he's going to be a big guy in this draft. Yeah. And first um, of all, like, so he's like six, six. I've seen people list him as a point guard. I've seen people say he's kind of a three. Like, you know, what What do you think that sort of the offensive role for him is going to be? Stefan Castle is who we're talking term? about. Yeah, Stefan Castle going to UConn, incoming freshman, McDonald's All-American, 6'6", 
225. Is he a guard? Is he a wing? What do you think? I think he is a what we used to have, what we used to call a shooting guard, a two guard. Um, because he's a good passer. Like he's a skip pass guy more than anything. He's not like a, he's not super fast. He's a guy who gets the Harden comparison, which is always silly because those guys, none of those guys have ever been the passer that James Harden is and still is and was in high school and in college. Uh, none of those guys are the manipulators that Harden is, but he is that same kind of guy where he's just huge. Like he, uh, High school, it doesn't matter. Guards in the Big East, guards in the NBA, guards in FIBA. It doesn't matter what league he's in. He he's going to be Jalen Brunson shit, where he just puts these guys in the ground. Like he gets the, if he can get to the corner and get his armor past you, you're you're done. Like I like I to the point that I think he could probably score on Caruso because he just was is bigger and stronger and like will just get past you. Like he's just I'm going to the rim. Fuck you, is Stefan Castle. The question with him is that he. You'll see some games where he is like uh, he had a fifty point game where he hit like eleven threes, but you'll, you'll, he has too many like zero for seven. He's not a consistent. The shot is wildly inconsistent. It's obvious that he's never had to, like in the last four or five years. He's just like I'll just go to the rim because I'm playing against high schoolers and like what are they going to do? And that's not going to fly at any level. Like you had to shoot, and he's also just like. Ugh. I hate calling guys bad athletes because like he's got great balance. He's really strong. He's like just got really good touch and really good timing, but he's just not fast. Like he's not fast. Yeah. He's not, he's not fast. fast and he doesn't really seem to have a reliable pull up. Yeah. And but he's got like a floater in a, a craft game. So, and he's got great size and like hypothetically should be able to spot up off the ball and mm-hmm. hit a three. You would think long term. The the and downside comparison do this year. The downside comparison, although he's a much better finisher than this player, but the downside comparison for a guy like that is Killian Hayes, where it's like the guy because he's been he's been the number one option the last probably like ten years that he's played, and he probably won't be at UConn and he probably won't be in the NBA. If you if you think he's gonna be that, he might be a number one pick. I don't think that. And I like Castle a lot. So it's really just what does he do when he doesn't have the ball all the time when he's not like a 50 usage guy in high school? I'm not sure. And that's kind of a concern, but he is in my number one tier. He's like the last guy in it of like there's there's a potential that this guy is like a 24, 25 point score in the NBA and it's like an all-star at some point, which is again, this is the draft where you you got those guys are not there's not a lot of those guys. But yeah, I'm a I'm a Stefan Castle guy. We can go through a few more like mid-level guys then because those are to me those are like the star potential guys that we went through. I got kind of a goofy one that I think could make the top 5. Mhm. Uh let me find the name I'm looking for. Kyle Filipkowski. I don't think so. It's like a he's super bit... he's super productive. And he's a good basketball player, but um, do you know his measurables offhand? Is it, this guy's a center? Uh, I think he's 6'11", 230. I would guess. With a 6'11", wingspan. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. That's not and, what you want. And he's a center. Like, he's a Kelly Olynyk center, but he's a center. Like, Yeah, he can, like, make plays as a passer, and he can yeah. shoot. Yeah. I like, like, Kyle Filipowski is going to, might win ACC player of the year. He might be in the running for national player of the year. Like he's an excellent college basketball player and will be in the pros. 
I'm just not taking that guy like that. Like this is not the this is not the league for that guy anymore. Yeah. But he's good. He's a good player. I'm I'm kind of happy he went back because it makes Duke makes Duke real real weird. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in with with another question. Um, so it seems like like this draft because it's kind of uh, a free for all or very fluid at the top. Mm. Um, I feel like a lot of the times when you have drafts like that, like it's a little bit more likely that somebody that's a returner yeah. um, can, yeah. can make a leap. Like, um, I mean, even Jaden Ivy, that, that was a good draft and he, he made a pretty big leap into Keegan, the top, the top four. Yeah. Keegan. So who do you, who are your guys favorite, like options for, <laughs> for returners that you really like? That's the problem is I don't think those guys are here in this draft. Like, is it, so that's why the draft kind of sucks. Is yeah. Like the returners Donovan like Klingon will probably go probably in the lottery could go like sixth or seventh, depending on the team. And he's very good. Donovan Klingon utterly dominated when his minutes for UConn. And he's the best way to describe him. He's is a Walker Kessler type. Like he's a seven, two gigantic white guy who is not completely immobile and will dunk everything he gets and will block like four shots a game. Like he's just absolutely dominant post presence. And like, that's a useful player. I, if I need a center and I'm picking like eighth, I'll take that guy. But it's not like a guy who screams top five pick to me. And then like, mm-hmm. I like Trey Alexander from Creighton. I think he's really crafty and can score. Riley Kugel at Florida is a bigger guard who can score. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the world's largest Kobe Johnson fans. He's going to be the other guy at USC. Uh, Jalen Johnson's younger brother who is six, six, one ninety, And is like, again, I stop again. I, I just talked about this with Duol is like a three steal, four block, four, 18 assist percentage guy who gets the, gets the line a lot. Kobe Johnson, if the Bulls are picking in, the, in like 15 or 16 and he's available and they don't take him, I will light, I will light Gar Foreman on fire in retribution. No, <laughs> that's already <laughs> actionable. Also, Gar Foreman doesn't work for them anymore. <laughs> no, I just, he, he can get to just him. in principle. Yeah. But Kobe is like, that's a guy the Bulls need. They need like a, a wing who does shit. Um, but again, I'm not taking Kobe Johnson like top eight because like he does, he's not a scorer, and it's just not a great draft for that. Like, I like. Uh, let me look here. Duron Holmes How about is Kevin's good. boy. Kevin's boy, Kylan Boswell. Out of I do Arizona. like Kylan Boswell. Huge Younger guy. Younger than many of the incoming freshmen in. This oh yeah, I said Ricky. Incoming freshmen in this class. <laughs> I was I was doing my 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 usual like calculator rat stuff mm-hmm. uh, before before this year's draft, and I was like, why is this guy not coming out in the draft? Why like how come nobody promised him? Because he's seventeen. Like, yeah, I was like, he's he seems super productive, and he's he's you know, he he's he when I when I did all the stuff like the little. Um, the filters that that Brian you, you you always do those posts where it's like hit these minimum cutoffs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, like he has a good stock rate, he can shoot, he's uh, you know all that stuff. And I sent this text to Ricky and I was like, how come he's not like a guy? And he was like, I don't really know. Let me let me go look. <laughs> like uh, it was like, yeah, I guess he could have been a guy. He can't really but- do much inside the arc. Yeah, but he can shoot and he's really young and pretty big and was already, you know, yeah, if he finishes the 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 finishing inside, then like, like if he was able to like add that Kylan is a guy I'm always fond of because he Kylan is the kind of guard who existed 
in the 2000s and doesn't anymore. He's a Sharon Collins kind of just like big fat guy guard. I love those guys. <laughs> I love those guys. I do love uh, I do love a fat guy in the in the NBA. I I am still bummed fat, out. That, fat in the relative sense because he's like six well, to two hundred, which is like what I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, not like NBA fat because all those guys are like crazy lean. Yeah, he's just kind of just kind of like an average body. I don't know. I, Kylan is a very good player. I like him, but um, I um. Yeah, I was I was gonna say I I, I still uh, mourn uh, Fat Jokic no, no longer being a thing. He's all mm. he's all lean and svelte now. I mean, he's like you know obviously he's won MVP since he did it, but I don't know. I miss Fat Jokic. Bring him back. The only other guys <laughs> I have. Oh, there um, there. Sorry, Ricky. There is one other contender for a top five pick, and it's it's because of who he is. Uh, if Bronny is fine and he plays, he might go top five. Just because there's a chance that the team that drafts him at like fifth will get one season of LeBron out of it, and that's worth it because you're going to make you're going to sell out every game. Um, but also, it's the, the weird thing with Bronny is he he's not an elite prospect, but like he's an NBA player, like he's a good basketball player. He actually kind of reminds me of Melton or Caruso or that kind of like. If he's your third guard right now in the NBA, I think he'd be pretty useful because he's huge, he's a good yeah. defender, very good spot up shooter. He's a smart player. Like he's a good basketball player. He's just not a superstar. He's the fine. They, uh, the press release about his heart thing seemed weird because it was like they seemed like they were like he's going to be fine, but also it was like a genetic like it's a congenital thing. No, that's fixable. It's good. Okay. Yeah. They, yeah. I, I mean, that means they know it, it, it's a it's it's not a blood flow issue, and it's not like a um, it's it's that there was something physically wrong that they can fix. Gotcha. So it's not like like the electrical impulses and no, his heart it's not like a yeah yeah he should be fine from what I understand of it he should he may not play I I still wouldn't bet him in playing in the 2023 part of the 2023 24 season because he's gonna have to get his cardio back up but he should be fine he should play uh, I got a question about another guy in this draft who played in these uh, exhibition games I didn't know a ton about Tyler Smith coming in I knew he was highly recruited I mm-hmm. knew that he left high school early to play in overtime elite. Yep. Another OTW. He is uh, on the G League Ignite. I didn't really know what to expect from him at all. In term if you ask me to rank the G League Ignite guys this year and the the company line on this G League Ignite team is it's the deepest G League Ignite team ever. Eight, they, eight they prospects. Have, yeah, they have a lot of guys this year. I probably would have just put him in the bottom half of that coming into the year. Cause I didn't know much about him. Now I'm immediately like, wow. So this guy's six ten. certainly more of a prospect than London Johnson. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. he is, I think he's probably the third best prospect on the team. I'll say fourth, maybe fifth. Yeah. Uh, I, I need to see Darlon like, Darlon. I don't know anything yeah. about Darlon. And then I'm going to, I think Almanza will be in the NBA for 12 years. I can talk about him in a second. Yeah. Almanzo was really impressive too, right? So he's probably yeah. the, at best, the fourth best prospect. Uh, but Tyler Smith seems interesting to me it's because true. he was really racking up the blocks and steals yeah. in these exhibitions. And he seems to be a willing and capable shooter at 6'10". Could he be a floor spacing secondary rim protector at the four that every team wants? Could he be Jalen Smith? Um, yeah, no, I, I think I, I think he's a guy who'll probably get some real looks for sure. If he plays like this all year, if he plays like this all year for sure. Um, 
he's certainly a better prospect than the Michael Fosters and, and Isaiah Todd's. We had to pretend we're good the first couple of years of the Ignite thing. Oh, that was fun. I uh, uh, my friend Tom is a big Michigan guy, and when Isaiah Todd decommitted and went to every time he went to G League, I was like, "You're good, dude. Don't worry. He sucks. He's just bad. He's a bad player. I don't know how he's still in the league. No offense to him. Get paid, man, but." He's the worst kind of big man prospect because he's like 6'10", 210, and can't shoot. It's like, what are you doing then? What do you what do you do? Um Yeah, I could talk about Ethan Almanza for a second. Um super productive, like they mentioned it all on all the broadcasts, uh, was the FIBA was the under sixteen, under seventeen, and under eighteen MVP. Three straight years of the of the FIBA things. He's just he's a little small for he's a center. He's 6'10", 220, 225. He's not a very good athlete. He's not like super strong or big, but what he is, and I think Kevin, you'll like this kind of guy. He just does center shit. Like he sets a pick and he's like, I'm going to the rim. If you give me the ball, I'll dunk it. He boxes everybody out. He just doesn't like, he doesn't try to do the skill stuff that he can't do. He's just like a garbage man, rim running, like pretty good defender. Like the the Jeremiah Robinson Earl or Jalen Williams type the thunder have now of like this guy just does the stuff you're supposed to do if you're a center. So I think he'll be in a backup center or like a, I think he'll just be a guy who's in the league for a long time. I do like a center who does center things. I mm-hmm. will say that. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you like it Dan Gafford. reminds me of very little Oh me, bit. number one, Dan Gafford standing. <laughs> we miss him now though. I, I kind of miss things he does. Like, I miss that he. Uh, I I just like that he tried to like uh, block every shot, no matter. I'd rather no matter have the consequences. I'd, I'd rather have him on this team than Drummond. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I like I like Drummond like as a guy. Um, he's way less annoying than I thought he would be. Yeah. Um, he's he's mature. Like, he's 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 not the yeah, guy he was like ten years ago either. Yeah, he seems like a lot of fun. Um, and he seems like he's been pretty good in the in the community and all of that sort of thing. Um. But he just it does not like you need like somebody that does like different stuff that yeah. like defensively yeah. than what Vooch does. And it's like he just does the same things. He's like a good defensive rebounder. He has good hands, but like he doesn't block shots really. And if he does, he's chasing them like in a bad way. Yeah, uh, I guess I guess uh, Almanza a better comparison is like. Um, oh, I was thinking of Kem Birch, but who else was I thinking of? Shit. Um just like a, uh, um, what is this fucking name? Oh, there's a, there's a scale of like how Steven Adams are you? And he's like a nine out of 10. Like just like, that's pretty good. I do. Steven Adams. The difference is Steven Adams is incredibly underrated tall, guy. 280. Like he's huge. And I'm on says two twenty five. but I just, yeah. I think he's a solid player. He's not a guy I'm going to have in like my top 10. Man, I'd mm-hmm. be a guy who's in my, my lottery, but I think that's going to be a guy when you get into the, the late teens and twenties and you, you're just looking for guys who can play NBA basketball. I think that's a guy who can play NBA basketball. I think yeah. he is projects as being like super sharp in terms of like his positioning. He's yes. not someone who's going to clean up anyone's mistakes the way Alex Sar can just like erase mistakes and recover for an entire team by himself. Almanza is going to play defense like where he's going to have to like be in position but I think that Doesn't make he probably a lot of will typically be in position. Yeah. Uh, also, watching those games, like really good hands, mm-hmm. seems like he knows how to like play with pace, just in terms of like getting down the court quickly and sealing a smaller defender, and then like having good hands, being able to catch the ball like, and put the ball in. 
it's a good he's, he he'll be a good like seventh man on a team because he just gets he does things competently and will get you easy buckets once or twice a game by running down court he, and shooting somebody. If he was playing college basketball this year, he would lead the country in BPM out of the freshmen. Probably, I, yeah. Like he would be like the Xavier Tillman, Michigan State part two of just like this guy is going to rack up box score impact. I would think. That's why he won MVP at all the FIBA events because he just he put up like you every game would be like twenty two and thirteen every game, and like that <laughs> that guy dominant those guys that uh, it's the way that Reggie Perry won the I always remember that for the uh, twenty was it the twenty twenty one no twenty nineteen USA U nineteen team that had Evan Mobley Jalen Green Cade Cunningham Tyrese Halliburton uh, I think like. A, was Maxi on that team? It's a bunch of like guys who are in the NBA, and Reggie Perry won MVP because he would run on court and seal, and Kate or Tyrese Halbert would just throw the ball to him, and he would just dunk. He had like twenty-eight <laughs> points a game on just being a good athlete who can dunk easily and playing a game with a bunch of like guys who know how to do pass, make those passes. So, yeah, Mons is that kind of like just a solid player. I, I'm 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 a fan of his. I enjoy watching him. I think he would help an NBA team. It's like a okay cap. And here's, this is kind of like the last thing I want to ask, and I know it's not my podcast, so feel free to take this wherever you want, Kevin. But I want Brian's big picture thoughts on if he likes the G League Ignite. Like, uh, do, when a guy chooses to go to the G League Ignite, like Bezellis, like Holland, are you like, oh, sick, this yeah. will be a cool place to evaluate him? Or are you like, selfishly, I kind of wish this guy was playing college basketball. I don't give a shit. This guy was playing, yeah. I watched like 35 overtime elite games last year. I don't care where they play. Brian is a sicko. <laughs> and honestly, Ignite, Ignite, I have some skepticism, but Ignite is a professional, like, they they do teach you guys how to be professional basketball players. And they play against other pros. <laughs> yeah, they play against grown men. Yeah, there's, I, 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 I like Ignite. I, I'm a fan of it. I... I guess when Buzelis went there, I was kind of like, Ooh, who do they have this year? And then I heard that Ron was going to go there, and I was like, all right, yeah, we're, good. we're good. We got another guy. Um, I do have two more like lottery tier guys I want to mention really quick, and they're both pretty simple. Uh, Ade Mara is going to US- UCLA, another Spanish guy. He played with Hamans on a lot of these teams, who, if this was the year 2006 or seven or 2009, would be he's a top three pick. pick. Yeah, he'd be because yeah. he's 7'3", 250. And it's just like a back to the basket monster, seven a seven wingspan. I think tremendous, too. like pivot passer, just like manipulating, like really has some of the my favorite plays in this draft cycle so far. Of just like doing cool dump offs, like Jokic shit, and just like doing like the the look away, like looking one way and doing the little flick to the to a guy in the corner for a three. Like he's an awesome passer. He's just not a guy who can move. Um, I, I, I do love a big boy who can pass. That is like, and maybe, he's that is maybe my favorite player type, <laughs> like a Brooke Lopez Pow kind of player is who we're looking at here. And you could tell he's a Pow guy because he is a Spanish seven footer. Um, but just has like he can score. He he'll block some shots. He's a, a pretty dominant defensive rebounder. Like just because he's huge and boxes people out. He's just goofy looking. He looks like a uh, he. He honestly looks like a renowned World War One poet who was killed at the Somme. He just looks like a. <laughs> he's taking like he's taking uh, Alex Len for a long time was the guy who looked the most like a World War One recruit, and I think I think Ademara is taking that title from him of like. 
this guy incredible. was tragically lost at the age of 19 fighting at Verdun. Um, that might be my favorite like player description <laughs> since, like of what a player looks like since the riffs man said that uh, R- Robin Lopez perpetually looks like he just, he was at a grocery store that he saw get robbed. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Um, but Mara, Mara is a very simple player, but like, I think, a, I think a team like maybe the Blazers could use a guy like a, a team that needs a center and picks in the top 10 will probably take him. Now the question is, does he get to play enough to do that? Because UCLA has like six centers. And they have a Dembona coming back, who's like a real draft prospect, and he's like a potential first team All American. Bona is, I feel. Yeah, like he's a he's a, which is funny. Which is a funny thing. A Dembona is a great, a weird guy because he is. Where is he from originally? I gotta look this up. But he's like he's like the exact opposite center. He's like six nine to forty five with like a. He's kind of a short wingspan, but he's just like a run jump like tank. For the audience, I do have to say that Ricky just shared yes. a picture yeah. of, of Ademara in the ch- in the chat that went along with this, and it is incredible how accurate <laughs> the description of him was. But Adem Bona is uh, I don't remember his first name, but he's he's in Okoro. He's a Nigerian who moved to Turkey and changed his name to a Turkish name, which is like a very interesting kind of guy. Um, Turkish Turkish national Tur- Turkish. Uh, Turkish nationalists at Dembona. Uh, <laughs> oh no. He has strong opinions. He's going to get Enos Canner. He's coming for him. Um, what you going to do, Enos, when Adem runs wild on you? <laughs> but uh, the other guy I'd like to mention really quickly because he's a guy that I'm not, the kind of player that I'm not always very high on, but he just looked really good every time I've seen him. And the reports I've heard from people who would know are that he is destroying his team's practices. Marco Jackson at Kansas. Apparently, he's oh, yeah. just killing Kevin McCullough and Dewan Harris, who are like first-team All-American defenders, ripping them apart. And he's just the kind of guy that, like, it's not an archetype I'm super high on because he's like six three, six four, and he's like a scoring guard. But he's just super, like, the three-level score thing is over. It's the most infuriating shit of all time. But, like, this guy is that. Like, he's a pull-up shooter. He gets spacey scoring. He gets through me scoring. He's just like a... a in this kind of draft, like a guy like Jaden Hardy would go like top 20 in this draft. And I think he's a better, like a more polished scorer, but like, yeah, think of like a, a, a Jordan Clarkson guy. I'm like, this guy's just going to score. Like you're not stopping. Him yeah. From he can his actually scores. get downhill. Yeah. Oh, Marco can. And like, he just has like, he's like a powerfully built guard with decent size who has a good first step and can get into the teeth of the defense and is like strong enough to absorb contact and like can get off the ground a little bit. So if he is a pull up, he could be really intriguing, I think. Yeah. Uh but like, I don't know. I just sort of I'm usually skeptical on that kind of guy. Letting yes. him be the man. The thing is though, but with he's self have to be incredible to get the type of usage that I think would have like he would have been better going to like a lower tier power five school, yes. I feel like, and just gotten like a little bit longer of a leash. How much of a leash is Bill Self going to give a true freshman like him? We've seen Self not let McDonald's All-Americans get off the bench at all several now, times over the last as, as an avowed Bill Self hater, the defense I'll use is that those were like Cliff Alexander and Czech Jallo, who actually weren't good. <laughs> he He'll play you right. Andrew, is Andre Rice good? I don't no, think so. Probably not, but I mean, all these, you know, 
he was a McDonald's All-American. Like, I feel like that's happened quite but a bit. The, and and it, uh, it's hard to make this comparison because we've got kind of complete opposite players. But, like, Embiid was not supposed to play for them. I think Self just saw it was like, well, this guy's good. I'm playing him. Like, <laughs> Well, he's incredible. Like, yeah. He should play. I think Elmarco's good enough. And I also think the thing that helps them is their backcourt right now is Dewan Harris and McCuller. And McCuller's like 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, like, McCuller's like a wing. So you could you could just bump him up and play three guards and then play Hunter Dickinson and KJ Adams. Like, I think that's a team. So, so one of your last lotto guys, I, I'm just going to bring him up because <laughs> he's the, he's the only guy that I have any takes about. Uh, and I like him in this draft and it's uh, Omaha Baloo mm-hmm. uh, because I was scouting uh, Julian Phillips high school games after the bulls drafted him. Uh, Cause I don't, ha- I don't like myself enough. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think and, I do this? And uh, uh, Julian Phillips did not pop, and in fact, uh, negatively popped most of the time. But Omaha Blue was a junior on that team, and uh, was every time he was on the floor, I noticed him. He was doing things. He was running around, being athletic, yep. and just like uh, making people uh, on the other team's life hell. And I was like, "Who's that guy? Is he a guy?" And then I looked him up, and he was a prospect. And I was like, "All right, I'm my, I'm, I'm not a complete idiot." <laughs> and, that's the thing, though. Uh, that's the thing with and people. You sometimes get asked about getting into high school. High school scouting is easy because it's if you guys if jump guy, off the page. If a guy doesn't pop in the first five minutes you watch him, then he's not probably not like a real prospect. Like especially why? Especially why I'm not super happy about Julian Phillips because espe- especially he well, Julian Phillips is a second round pick. I don't really give a shit. Um, I know, but I'm just saying that, like, like guys that are going to be successful in the NBA, like, especially they made a point to go like, get that pick. Yeah, especially at like, well, I, I made the, I think I made the joke before that I'm kind of upset that they, this was like a a, wing, a draft that had like 21 or 22 wings in it, and they traded a bunch of picks to get the number 22 wing, get the last guy <laughs> that I like that I had any, I was like that I even could stomach. Um, the thing with high school scouting though is like, especially lower levels, like maybe not even grassroots stuff, but just like a normal high school game. If a guy doesn't dominate, they're nothing. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not buying him. Um, uh, and if a guy, let's say, like a 16 year old, destroys EYBL for two straight years, and maybe I'll buy him as the number one pick. That's the thing about this draft that's fun is that we don't know who the number one pick's going to be. We know for the two drafts after, so we already know. Like Coop, Coop, and then it it will almost certainly be Cameron Boozer because Cameron Boozer is a Terminator man from hell. He's unbelievable. <laughs> Yeah, the the I did watch the Cam Boozer and uh, Cooper Flag uh, matchups uh, this summer. That was a lot of fun. Cooper uh, is better, but uh, Cam Boozer is like he's a number one pick. Like he's he's an yeah, incredible he's, talent. It, yeah, it's working you, out great for both of them that uh, yep. Coop moved up a class. Yeah, and now DeBance is going to move up a class too, and he'll probably challenge Boozer. Yeah, Tyran Stokes might also might also. Yeah. Tyron Stokes is Tyron Stokes is more like the Cam Whitmore body type, but the thing about Tyron Stokes, I don't know if you've heard this, Ricky. Um, he is also a psychopath. <laughs> and when I say he, basketball, he's... a basketball psychopath, I mean in the best possible way. Like I mean in the Chris Paul, Cade Cunningham, Jordan. Like this guy is, is here to play basketball. Like you, you're not gonna have to worry about this guy off the court. This this guy's in the gym twelve hours a day. Like those are the guys yeah. that you want to build teams around. You have to kick kick him out. Yeah. And I love those guys. And, and yeah, but um, I'll mention a couple, just a couple more guys that I'm sure people who are vaguely familiar might know about. 
Cody Williams going to Colorado. I think there's a there's there's stuff to like. This is Jalen Williams' little brother. Little brother. I think he kind of got a boost because he's Jalen Williams' little brother. He looks like him physically. He's he's six eight, seven two wingspan, and has some of that funky like scoring ability. But he's also just kind of, I don't know. He's a possession by possession guy where he'll look like shit sometimes. Like he's just not very consistent. Colorado's kind of a weird spot for him. I just don't. He was a number one high school prospect in a lot of places, but I don't see like star stuff with him. I see like Zaire Williams kind of stuff. And I love Zaire Williams. And I, I think I could talk about myself into Cody Williams top 10 because there's a lot to work with, but he's got to, he's got to, he's got to dominate somewhere. You know, are you still, are you still like pretty, pretty high on Zaire Williams or I, do you, if, what do you think? I'm pretty high on him in the fact that I still have him as a lottery player. And I think he's worth taking the gamble on, but we'll mm-hmm. see. Uh, Jacoby Walter, I'll mention as like a guy people know going to Baylor. I'm very interested to see what he can do because yeah, he's, he's like a six really four game. small forward. The thing is, I don't really think he can. I don't know. He's a guy. Who, he's when I say three level scorer, I'm usually mean it derogatively because it just kind of means he can't get to the rim. Shoots a lot of mid range pull ups. Brandon Boston was a three level scorer in high school. Remember? And people were like, "What a handle he's got!" And it's like, yeah, he's got to do 15 dribble moves to get past high school defenders. That's a bad thing. It's a problem. Um, and Jacoby's kind of like that, but he's also got long arms and I think the defense is all right. And from what I've heard about him, he works really hard and he's like a good kid. So we'll certainly be true. I think he's in a one of them player. And I think he's a guy who could stick in the NBA, but I'm not like a very high. And then uh, Tyrese Proctor at second year guy at Duke. I'm just not. What if, what if Dyson Daniels was a worse athlete and couldn't play in smaller and wasn't very good at defense? It's like, okay. <laughs> Like I, I'm not. That doesn't sound exciting. Now, now Tyrese Proctor in his defense was at a, was like the seventh option on that Duke team. They didn't really let him have the ball, and he has like some creation ability. So maybe. But uh, and then uh, let's look here. Justin Edwards. People are Kentucky people love Justin Edwards because he's Justin Edwards has he's the Brandon Miller of this class to me. We're like he's a good basketball player and he's productive, but he's also like he's gonna be 21. And he's just like good. He's not like a dominant high school player. He's probably not going to be like an elite. He's kind of a in between wing. He's not unlike Brandon Miller. He's not really a shooter. Uh, Justin Edwards has a lot of RJ Barrett syndrome, where like right now he just goes to the rim and pushes people out of the way and scores. But it's like you can't six seven two oh five. You're not going to do that in the NBA. If you're going to be like a three, what do you do? You know. But still, like this is not a very good draft. He'll be a lottery pick probably. I'm just not high on him. Or Aaron Bradshaw, the other Kentucky guy. Although he broke his foot, so we'll see. You never want to see a 6'11 run jump big break his foot. That's a bad sign. Yeah, that's Brian, guess who uh, NBADraft.net currently has going number one overall in was the it, 2024 draft? Was it Bobby Clinton? Yes, it was it's at one Bradshaw. Point. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's one just that's asinine opinion. That's the Paul B. and Cardi scouting shit, man. That's and listen, people have their people have their blind spot. Again, I have all these six five long arm guys. I like Matias Madi top fifty because he's a Tiero going to Kentucky. That guy, I have him as like a top seventy five guy because he's six six one eighty five and has long arms. He's like a guard. I'm like ooh ooh. I was a Katari Richmond guy for several years, even though he cannot score because he's a defensive guard at 6'6", 180 with long arms. So I have that blind spot, but the nobody has that blind spot. Like NBA draft that has that. And Paul B and Cardi has that every single 
four, like a pretty good high school big who can run fast and straight line is the next David Robinson. It's like, get the fuck out of here, man. <laughs> you think that you would, you would eventually like learn that, that that doesn't mean that much. That's but. the thing. That's the thing with, the, I said, this is a methodology draft big time. Like this draft is going to be people who have like, who know who have like, I don't want to say taste. That's not the right word, but if you say that, you know what I mean? Like they know what they like in a player. They don't just like, they know what they know what works in the league. They have like a yeah, they have a, a a process that yes, that actually applies to basketball in 2023. Yeah. And like again, like Derek Lively is a good player. Derek Lively and Aaron Brad Derek Lively is bigger than Aaron Bradshaw for one. Aaron Bradshaw might have a little little bit of ball skill, but every one of these guys every year it's like and he can shoot and then Derek Lively takes like four threes in his entire freshman season it's like no, no he can't <laughs> Rudy Gobert can shoot in practice nobody gives a shit um yeah yeah I'm not those guys I have to be I have to be uh kind of weaned into the only other guy I'll mention uh I guess AJ Johnson's worth a mention Jalen Green's brother in air quotes uh they grew up together they're great they're really good friends um he's he's playing in the NBL he was supposed to be the guy who went to Texas with Ron Holland I like AJ Johnson. Like he's really, he's a good athlete. He's kind of got the RJ Hampton thing to me where like, he's like 160 pounds. It's like, this guy might be too small, but if he can survive in the NBL, worth a shot. And then I'll just, because I'm going to mention him because he's my favorite college basketball player. My, my man, Oso Iguodaro, Marquette, Larry Nance, the third. (laughs) That's my other kind of player that I love. If you're like a six, nine center, Oso Godaro had like a 19 assist percentage last year. Like he was, and he had like 55 dunks, which is a great yeah, kind yeah. of player. I loved watching Marquette's offense last year. I thought Marquette I love Marquette. Was super fun team. Marquette's got a, so many, they, had, they don't have any like a high level prospects, but I like David Joplin, Ben Gold, Chase Ross might be a guy. Kolek is like a, I mean, Kolek is their point guard. He might be a national player of the year candidate, but he's not like an NBA guy. He's just like a six-two white, point, fat six-two white point guard who <laughs> doesn't shoot. Like he could play in the league, like, but he's not even like a TJ McConnell athlete. So it's like Cam it, Jones is a way better prospect than Kolick, I think. Yeah, Kolick's like a better college basketball. Player yeah, for what yeah, Cam Jones is Cam Jones is pretty funny. He's a funky scorer. And then like yeah, like Chase Ross. I'm sure we'll have some guy I've never heard of this year that, that Shaka man Shaka took his lumps, but he can develop. He is very good at finding the players that he wants on his team and developing them into those players. Like he knows yeah, what I he wants he to got, do. Like some like heat. He like hired an NBA offensive coordinator, basically, yeah. because Shaka's teams never had good offenses, and then last year Marquette's offense was just like insane, <laughs> and it was just because he actually like got like a young up and coming offensive mind and was like, "How about you do the offense?" Yeah, yeah. I mean, they had two, three, two or three years ago. Igodaro and Olivier Maxence Prosper were both just like, well, Prosper transferred there, so I guess two years ago. But they were just like, they were like, I always call them Syracuse guys. Syracuse always had like Dante Green, Demetrius Nichols. Of like, this guy's a pretty good athlete. Does he? Does he have any idea how to play? The guy, that guy now is Greg Brown, Dylan Mitchell, Kendall Brown. Of like. This guy looks awesome in a highlight mix because he can dunk and is like a really good athlete. But like, what does he do? Yeah. And like, those guys have not been succeeding. Greg Brown is on the Mavericks somehow. Dylan Mitchell was projected to be a top 10 pick this time last year and backed out of the draft because he sucks. <laughs> the, I was going to say from a, you guys were talking about, uh, Brian, you were talking about how it's a methodology or a mm-hmm. philosophy draft. I was going to say, I do think that like one thing 
like that I think, you know, I don't watch these guys, so I don't really have a lot of takes about like individual players, but from a philosophy perspective, I feel like there's just every year the premium on intelligence in like, you know, basketball intelligence. Mm-hmm. I'm not not doing IQ eugenics shit. I just yeah, mean, exactly. like, do do you play the game in a way that makes sense? Um do you understand like what's happening on the floor and why it's happening? Um I feel like there's like a greater and greater premium put on that pretty much every year uh, that goes by. And I just feel like if you don't think the game at a really high level, like even just coming in that it's just like harder and harder to succeed all the time. Oh my God. NBA draft that has Trenton flowers 11. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, that's a site that I literally never go to. Cause I, I told you guys my, my whole draft thing is that I just read like the people that I trust and whose biases I know very well. <laughs> and uh, well, the thing with NBA draft night that I give them credit I for is never, they I are never... they are uh, they are true innovators in the uh, getting correct birth dates field. They're, they're <laughs> fucking great at that. Like, if I really need to know a guy's birthday, I'll check NBA draft night because they generally have it, which is good. I appreciate that. Yeah, but, yeah they have information is good. Their takes are just uh, any crazy. any any draft site that deletes its mock drafts after the draft, you're done. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they, they well, know that the Internet alive. Archive exists, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> Okay, they still have the 2023 one, but, like, I think they had, like, they were Derek Lively at one. I think they had, like, I want to say they had, I want to say they had Dylan Mitchell at two last year. It's like this time. And it's like, I mean, they're never, they're never beating the Deshaun Stevenson <laughs> NBA comparison, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. <laughs> Listen, I get Just it, man. The, the greatest. That's so good. <laughs> Um. Yeah, NBA draft net. God, God bless them. Two gro- two goats in the in the in the field of weird draft shit. Um. Also, just a great job by them to get NBA draft net. Like, yep, NBA draft net. Way back in the day, like just good stuff. Like I don't agree with their their, their draft takes most of the time, but I don't hey. want to single them out because I do not mean them when I say methodology. But that's a good example of of people who just don't have methodology. They're just like, well, they're just like throwing guys at the wall. Because <laughs> I know they. I, I'm not saying they don't watch player. Like I, I, I think there's a lot of people who watch more tape than I do. Like I've probably most of these guys I've mentioned I've watched between three and five games, like full games of at this point. Uh, Sorry, I'm up yeah. at like 12 because I'm infatuated. Garwee, I've only seen like two because it's hard to find tape. And then like Amarco, I've probably seen like four or five. I've probably seen like 15 Mara games because they're easier to find. And like Ron, I've probably seen like 70 times at this point. Buzelas, I've probably seen like 55 or 60 times because they're they've been major prospects for several years. You know, Collier yeah. and 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 DJ, I've seen a lot. Cooper Flag, I've probably seen like 60 times already, and I'll probably see him another 200 before he even goes to college if he goes to college. Um, yeah, yeah. I was, um, uh, I was talking about Cooper on the timeline, uh, a few months ago and, uh, um, <laughs> somebody, somebody messaged me and mentioned him as potentially, uh, uh, not even going to college and like just maybe going to Europe for a year or something until he can like actually play in the NBA. Yeah. And I was like, that would make sense to me. I mean, maybe he'll do the ignite thing. I don't know, but that's, that's it would be cool if he, it, it would be cool if he was just like, I'm just going to go to the EuroLeague and bust everybody's ass. Well, the thing, the thing with, and we can talk, I'm, I'll tell you guys about this after because I'm not going to spill shit on air. But um, the cool thing is that like, he kind of has a brand already. 
So he doesn't need to go to like a Duke or a Kentucky to get like that. No. That's why you go to Duke or Kentucky. Other than, you know, they're pretty good college basketball teams generally. And yeah, you know, you get to, and like, it's like, you, you get to I be, guess, a, you get to be a basketball player on Duke's campus and Kentucky's campus. So you get to have some yeah. perks. But <laughs> the other reason yes. is that you get like, you get the exposure because you're, you're going to be at Maui. You're going to be on CBS or ESPN. Exactly. Almost every, yeah. almost every game. Like that's why Brandon Miller went to the SEC because SEC on CBS, he's on TV. That's why Constantly. people. That's why a lot of people thought Brandon Miller was a better prospect than Wemby or Scoot because they, even though these games are easier and easier to find, and I don't, I don't blame people for this. People just aren't going to watch G League night games very often. Like, it's just not going to happen. There, there are just not not that many true sickos. <laughs> yeah, but like, um, uh, what the fuck was I going to say before I start about talking about Cooper? Oh, I was going to say like. There, I think there's plenty of people out there who watch more tape than I do. And I'm not, I don't position myself as someone who's always right. I had Pokashevsky at two, Killian Hayes three. I had Derek Culver at like five. I make mistakes all the time, but I think, yeah, I mean, that's a thousand. I think, I like, think I've, I think I've really refined that. I know what I'm looking for. And I see it quickly with a player. Like I was, I was a Taylor Hendricks lottery guy in like mid December last year. Like I, not even like so much that I thought he would be a star, I just saw, I watched like three games and I was like, an NBA team is going to draft him in the top 15. Like it will happen. Probably the thing that I would say, Brian, about, about your, uh, cause you're like constantly updating your boards. Like a lot of people, mm-hmm. but I will say that like, um, and Ricky, I think this is true of you too, actually, is that like, I feel like a lot of, um, like the time I see like in betting, there's like the concept of closing line value and like being, being early, matters a lot in betting right so like having an edge um in that way i feel like both of you tend to like the market tends in terms of uh like the consensus tends to move towards you guys um like if you guys really like a guy i feel like the consensus ends up closer to liking that guy part of that i think the other thing with doing this is that you have to find other people whose opinions you trust and understand and either be able to bounce things off of them or just be like I, I I mean, Grib knows I do this, so I won't. Uh, he won't be upset if I say this, but I will often if I see a guy I've never heard of, I'll check his timeline and see if he's talked about him before. Yeah, because no, Grib, I mean, Grib is a true sicko who watches 500 games every day. He's a truly committed man who should be committed. I'm kidding. <laughs> I love Mike. I love Mike. He's a wonderful person. I hope things work out for him. But uh, and then he I watches also, so much basketball, it's insane. I, I bounce things off of like I, I have a general rule. And there's there's a few other people who sneak into this. Ricky, you're one of these. Ben Pfeiffer's part one. Cole was when I, you know, he's allowed to talk to us. Um, but <laughs> generally, Grib and PD, if they both like a guy who's like a sophomore, I, I put him on the list. Like, that's it. And if, if they both don't like a guy, I'm kind of out of it. You know, like, that's a pretty good. I have people whose opinions I trust. But yeah. I don't have much else to say. I mean, I have a lot else to say, but I don't think anyone wants to hear about Tijane Salwan or these other <laughs> like guys in the fifties. I have not yet. I, I can't believe you have a, a, a list like a hundred deep already or whatever it is. I, like, you know like, what? I don't know if either of you guys, you've seen this and I'll send it to you right here. I want you to look at this. Hold on a second. I know we're almost out of time, but I want you guys to react to this on air. Okay, I was gonna say this is great radio. <laughs> yeah. 
Where are you sending it, Baron? Right here. In the in the chat. Oh fuck yeah! Brian's got a hundred fifty. No, that's a hundred. Sorry, that's one hundred and fifty big men, and then there's another one that's one hundred and fifty one wings and oh, one hundred and eighty guards, and that that'll Brian. that'll be over twelve hundred. That'll be over a thousand players by the time. Dude, you got my boy Robbie Avila from uh, Indiana State, number one forty nine. <laughs> that's not actually name. It's like show the big boy some love. We should also we should also uh, mention really quickly should, that Chicago State has guys. <laughs> it, I'll I'll note also for the audience that Brian also has the 2025 and 2026 draft classes, and he has uh, 87 names for 2025. That's that's more. I just I just go to 24 seven saying it just kind of copy the list down though. That's just more uh, like okay, these are the names okay. I should know. I don't have like okay aside from like the top ten guys in those. I don't have real strong takes on those guys. Okay, I was gonna say that is. I mean, you're doing your work early, so that's good. Really, what, like, what that's for is for when I do next year's board, I can just move over all the freshmen, and I don't have to like look up who the freshmen are that I should pay attention to. Yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, you're as I think I've said this is will be the third or fourth time now. Brian is a sicko, <laughs> and he needs help. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, but. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't really have anything else to say. Do you guys want to close with anything? Is there anything else my, you guys want to hit? My draft strategy is to be the uh, the Ben Wyatt of this. Where I can, do you think a depressed person could do this? And then I show you this spreadsheet. My <laughs> 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 um, right. thought is that uh, it's going to be a year to watch the ignite. The ignite mm-hmm. are like playing mm-hmm. more games than they ever have before. It's like a real schedule. They're playing like almost sixty games. I think even if they don't make the playoffs. The fact that they have Holland and Bazellus is like, you know, two sort of likely top five picks, top three picks, whatever. So this is going to be the year I watch more Ignite. And I just want to see like how they're going to balance all these guys because like they don't all really fit together. Mm -hmm. Like they're going to have to play uh, John Jenkins to give him some shooting. They're going to want to play Eric Micah or whatever. Uh, is a big man who can just like do big man stuff, even though he's like 30 or whatever he is. So I think that like this year will probably be a crapshoot in terms of yes. projecting what college players sort of rise up. But I think the Ignite are going to like all those guys look pretty good. Yeah. They also have uh, they also have Englewood's own Jeremy Pargo, Chicago legend Jeremy Pargo Let's on the team. <laughs> That's crazy. We, that love, he's Jer- we love Jeremy. Par- we love Jeremy Pargo because he's like he looks like he's like two thirty five now. He's huge. I love him. No, that's yeah, a good guy. His brother won the Bulls a playoff game against the Washington Wizards, and they they always Ignite so. always likes to have an old point guard to just be like, "Hey, chill the fuck out, guys. Like we're, we're good. Like it's fine. I played <laughs> I played a lot of basketball before, so it's fine." Wait, when you said John Jenkins, is that like the same shooter John Jenkins no. that was like in the draft like a million yeah. years ago? Yeah. Yes. Dude, he's got to be so old now. Yeah, yeah he was from Vanderbilt. He is. Wow. Thirty-two. He's thirty-two. Okay. Yeah, I'm old as hell. He was drafted like, in 2012. It's not that old. Like, come on. I mean, it's he's five What's years younger than I am, enough, but like, it feels like he's old. Killing people? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Wade Baldwin kind of got in a lot of trouble. No, no, no. He's just he's just a bad dude. He's not a he's a notorious asshole. 
yeah. Wade Baldwin, like team kill. That's why he's not. That's why he didn't stick in the league. People just they're like, this guy sucks. Fuck this guy. Yeah, yeah. He had like the bull bull thing of like people were like, just get him out of here. We don't want the anti Chris Dunn. <laughs> All right. Yep. I'm going to call it here because we're just naming some guys now <laughs> as this podcast always gets to be. It's just mm-hmm. naming some guys. Um, uh, Ricky, uh, if people can follow you at SPN uh, underscore Ricky. Brian is at Brian J NBA. That's right. And I'm at NBA Couchside. Uh, bye everybody.